This podcast has been produced as an educational resource for health professionals. It is recommended that people with concerns about their vision and eye health seek care from an appropriate health professional to support accurate diagnosis and management of any conditions. Welcome to the Optometry Australia Institute of Excellence podcast. We are committed to offer you quality, personalised education via a range of media, and every episode of this podcast will be worth CPD hours. Your host is Optometry Australia's Professional Development Manager, Simon Hanna. In each episode, Simon will be joined by a variety of interesting guests to discuss an array of appealing topics. Enjoy this episode of the podcast. Welcome to another Institute podcast episode brought to you by Optometry Australia's Institute of Excellence. Optometry Australia are very excited to bring you this channel of shorter CPD modules uh, on varying themes and topics uh, related both clinically and non-clinically. Uh, my name is Simon Hanna, Professional Development Manager at Optometry Australia, and I'll be your host today. Uh, today, we're really pleased to have Jason Holland with us discussing the latest in dry eye management. Uh, Jason graduated uh, from QUT in 1994 with a Bachelor of Applied Science um, of Optometry with Honours. He commenced work as a locum optometrist in 1995 and spent time consulting in all corners of Australia. In 2001, he commenced work with ophthalmologist and anterior eye specialist, um, Dr. Andrew Apple, has been providing pre and post-operative assistance at his Brisbane rooms to this day. In 2002, he became the National Director of Optometry for the Optical Superstore Group. And uh, just offline, Jason, we were talking and that, that group seems to be growing and growing. Uh, in 2012, he completed a postgraduate certificate of therapeutics and has become a credentialed optometrist with CASA, the Aviation Authority in Australia. Uh, he now runs a busy glaucoma and advanced dry eye clinic. Uh, Jason's also served as a director and treasurer for Optometry Australia, uh, Queensland and NT for nine years until 2017. Um, I've also had the pleasure of working with Jason on a number of different uh, committees as well. He's also served on OA's national board for three years and also currently sits on the Deakin Optometry Advisory Board. Thanks for joining us today, Jason. Uh, really nice to have you with us. Thank you very much, Simon, for that introduction. It's a, it's a pleasure to be here. And um, yeah, so today we're talking a little bit about, um, I guess, the latest in dry eye management and, uh, and, and how far dry eye management has come, particularly um, in the last sort of you know, three or four years. Before we get into that, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about sort of your practice background, what you do now, day to day, in terms of sort of where, where you where your interests lie generally. Yeah, so my interest for dry eye first stemmed probably back in two thousand and five, uh, when I started working with Dr. Andrew Appel, who has a very refractive focused uh, practice. And what I discovered was that there are a whole group of patients being left in limbo where really dry eye was a, a swear word in ophthalmology and most of them laughed how quickly they might be able to get them in and out of their chair to make room for the next cataract patient. Um, and a lot of optometrists felt quite under-resourced or under-educated in terms of how to manage it. So these patients were often left with nowhere to go. And what I started to see was they were very miserable and happy patients. And that feeling of just not having anyone that wants to listen to your problems and really no solution apart from try this eye drop or try that eye drop. Um, I saw a real niche. And so that's where I started my interest in developing my skills and indeed um, up, up, upgrading my practice, investing in equipment uh, to try and give these patients somewhere to go to get, you know, excellence in care and dry eye. 
And it was certainly a, a journey of discovery. Um, initially, you know, I had so much to learn over and above what my undergraduate studies had offered me. Uh, and I made errors along the way and I had some exciting um, discoveries along the way. Uh, and look, I certainly underestimated how challenging this group of patients is to manage. Uh, but, you know, move forward now, you know, almost 14 years, um, I'm really enjoying the work. I feel I do make a big difference to patients and that little niche now has been filled in effect. And I've seen other colleagues around Australia follow, you know, similar ideas. And I think it's great that there's now, you know, people who are really sort of specialising in dry management. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I agree, Jason. I mean, in essence, you're almost like a pioneer in this area because, you know, even as far back as sort of, you know, 10 or 15 years ago, um, the, the options with dry eye were limited, the interest in dry eye was limited. And you, you're saying just before that you, you, you offline, you're saying you're working with a lot of new grads that, um, you know, dry eye is kind of one of those things that really just kind of get left for kind of, you know, the the thing that is most most boring or mundane to treat. And so um, I think, you know, just talking to you, um, it, it seems to me like there's a lot of, there's a lot of exciting stuff that's coming up, um, I guess, in the technology and in terms of what the latest research is when it comes to dry eye treatment. Absolutely. I mean, when I first started, I initially, you know, found the, the initial Jews, two, Jews 1 report, an incredible, incredible resource. And I thought, wow, this is a, a group of, researchers really starting to tackle this seriously so then to have Jews 2 come out in 2017 with just the amount of research almost tenfold um, was exciting for me and I think what comes with additional research is additional funding from large pharmaceutical companies and yeah, from that sure. comes better products so it's a win-win for our patients. Yeah absolutely and look for a lot of our listeners that are listening at the moment you know they might they might sort of hear that somebody has a bit of dry eye from uh, you know, using too much computer or working at home and spending long hours kind of on devices and those sorts of things. And their minds might, you know, initially, as you suggested, go straight to tear subs or just to sort of those tear replacement, artificial tears, things that we've kind of just been so almost programmed, ingrained in us to actually do. Um, but I think, I think it's almost time to start shifting our focus when it comes to dry eye management. Um, and often the issue is probably not that... Um, optometrists are not keen to try something different, but they probably don't know or they're probably not sure what to do or what to use. And so um, I think what would be good over the next sort of, you know, few minutes is if we chat a little bit about some of the, the options, some of the options, some of the latest eye drops and, and, and other products and how, they, um, and how they might relate to dry eye practice. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the role of um, Sequa eye drops when it comes to dry eye management? Yeah, so Sequa is, is a really exciting product not so much in terms of the actual core medicine itself, but the way the medicine has been packaged and delivered to the eye. If you look back even to the original Juice 2 paper, cyclosporin, which is the key ingredient in Sequa, has been studied for a long time. And, you know, there are some original sort of in, in vitro studies showing that it can increase tear volume by up to 70%. But some of the problems and the challenges was a lot of the earlier formulations, the patients couldn't tolerate the sting. It was just so uncomfortable. And the actual molecule cyclosporin is, is lipophilic. So it does struggle to actually penetrate through the tear film to the site where you want it to act. So a lot of the earlier challenges and indeed restasis, which you may have heard of is very popular in America, when it first came over to Australia and the TGA assessed it, they didn't feel that it provided any significant improvement over a placebo in terms of you know changing that patient's tear film. And 
part of that was reflected on the fact that they didn't think the actual medicine was absorbing. So move forward to, to Sequa and what Sequa has done, and it's, it's very clever, is actually encase the cyclosporin in what's called a nanomycel, which is a very little clever molecule where you've got your cyclosporin medicine uh, encased by this little shell, which has got this hydrophobic core that attaches to the cyclosporin medicine and this hydrophilic shell around the outside. And why that's so clever is that that hydrophilic shell allows the sequa to penetrate through your tear film and actually get to the ocular surface. And so to this end, for me, I was very excited because like I always knew about cyclosporin and I had had a few patients who had accessed it from a compound pharmacy in Sydney, but the accessibility of sequa and the way it's delivered to the ocular surface is really quite exciting for me. That's cool. Jason, so is Sequa available in Australia at the moment? And do you need a prescription to, to issue it to patients? Yes. So the company bringing Sequa into Australia, Sun Pharma, have had some challenges like a lot of companies during COVID in terms of getting the product in. So at the moment, you can get access to it via the special access scheme um, for, on compassionate grounds. And that involves you applying to the government to have um, individual prescriptions released for patients. Um, you have to write a prescription for it and then the, the government assesses eligibility. Um, but I'm hoping, and it looks like from what I've heard, um, that by July, you'll be able to write a prescription, any therapeutic optometrist, and get it from your local pharmacy. Um, it will be a private medicine. There'll be no PBS subsidy. But in terms of access to you know, um, the greater population, we're looking at July at this stage. Yeah, which isn't too far off. So that'd, that'd be good. And, and perhaps we can maybe... Touch base again later in the year and see how that's going, Jason. That'd be good to bring that to our listeners as well. Uh, while we're on the topic of dry, um, of dry eye drops in particular, um, can you tell us a little bit about um, your experience with Zydra? Do you see that influencing patient management? Yes, yeah, so Zydra has been another, I suppose, quite a, a revelation in terms of looking at the inflammatory cascade of dry eye and indeed managing that. We know from Jews too that you know, your traditional steroid is definitely found to be very effective in, in breaking the, the inflammatory component of dry eye. And often when I see patients, this is often one of the, I suppose, often un, untreated elements of their disease. So often I see patients have been expertly managed in terms of the right topical lubricants, potentially you know, heat packs and other treatments, but the inflammation can be forgotten. And you know, steroids, as we know, have got side effects. So where Zydra is unique is it, it works by decreasing inflammation in dry eye disease by reducing um, interactions of the T cells. And so in effect, you've got the same anti-inflammatory properties of a steroid, but you haven't got you know, some of the common side effects like high intraocular pressure, which can occur. So for me, it's been quite a nice addition to my armament of drops in that it is preservative free which I love for my, my dry eye patients, particularly the moderate to severe patients. And it gives me another way to manage inflammation in dry eye patients without the need to always resort into a steroid. Great. So is that something that can be prescribed on the PBS if, um, if patients have severe dry eye or, or require, require it sort of in a more, for a more chronic form of the condition? Yes, this is even a little bit trickier this one at the moment. So it's also special access scheme, but at sure. the moment only only applicable to ophthalmology or optometrists working within ophthalmology. So it's even harder to get access to this drop. Yep. I do believe Novartis is obviously working hard to get access for optometrists. So at this stage, they will need to refer to your local ophthalmologist. But I think you know this is a great product if you've got a patient who 
maybe their dry eye is managed while they're on steroids, but you can't get them off steroids. Mm. Um, this is something you need to be aware of because ophthalmology can assist co-manage this patient in terms of getting access to the medicine. Um, one advantage is as well is that it can show improvement in signs and symptoms in as quick as two weeks. Um, and the research has shown that this continues from up from 42 even up to 84 days. So, you know, it does work fairly quickly. Um, whereas with the second, which we touched on before, one of my challenges there is that medicine takes about 90 days to show peak effects. So, you know, in helping patients out who are symptomatic, Zydra has um, a very powerful effect that you can appreciate within two weeks of starting the, the drops. For sure. I mean, obviously the allure of not having those steroid properties is uh, all the steroid side effects is always one that uh, we should be looking out for. Um, before we just talk about um, the last product that we wanted to chat on today's episode, um, can you just, we'll just step back a second, Jason. The, the drops that we've been talking about, how severe a dry eye are we talking when we start thinking about using them on these patients? Like what sort of dry eye symptoms or, or signs do we need to see in our, in our patients to be able to start thinking, you know, these are the drops we need? Yeah, look, excellent question, Simon. Look, this is definitely a point that I should clarify because my practice does potentially see only moderate to severe dry eye patients. Yeah, so so, so. I, would, yeah, I would use a disproportionately high amount of steroid in my practice and indeed, you know, in terms of Zydra, I was one of the few trial sites in Australia for it, just based on my, my practice patterns. Um, but look, the, the role of Sequa is potentially for improving aqueous volume. But I would say in this regard, we know that a lot of patients have an element, you know, over 80% of an element of meibomian gland dysfunction. So I would always suggest that you make sure that you've addressed that element first before considering Sequa, because, you know, it's not this holistic solves all problems. Um, but in patients where, you know, you've already managed their, their MGD, SECWA is definitely worth considering. Um, and likewise for Zydra, I find with so many patients, an initial 20-day pulse of a non-preserved steroid will make about 80% of them happy, you know, but there are, there are those that need more steroid and it's for those patients who I would look at Zydra for. So definitely more at that moderate to severe end of the spectrum. Alrighty, and look to finish up. I guess today's episode, we wanted to just touch on one more product that might, you know, potentially be worth considering when looking at dry eye patients and managing their condition. Tell us a little bit about um, the Rexon Eye product. Yeah, so Rexon Eye, I've had in my practice since uh, February last year, and what exciting about this product is that it actually works on improving both lacrimal gland function and meibomian gland function. So for those patients with mixed dry eye disease. There's been nothing to date that actually has had that sort of bimodal effect, which was quite exciting. And the principle behind it is actually using electrodes to stimulate the metabolism and regeneration of stem cells. Wow. So we, the, 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 the fancy term is quantum molecular resonance. And this is a new term in terms of the eye world, but it's been used in other elements of medicine for, for quite a number of years. And it sort of works by this patient wearing this very cool mask for 20 minutes with their eyes closed and it delivers this alternate electrical current pulses of about a four to, four to 64 megahertz frequency, which literally resonates the biological tissue at a, you know, and the bindings. And this sort of starts this reaction that corrects the physiological behavior and restores the cell health. So it's like you're trying to almost get the lacrimal gland and the meibomian gland to regrow. And so I like this because rather than trying to supplement a patient's tear film with, with drops, we're actually going to the root cause of the problem and actually trying to make their own glands work better. 
Wow. Okay. So a um, couple of questions, obviously, they're going to come from that. Um, uh, so optometrists can access these, presumably? These are something that optometrists can purchase and use in their practice? Absolutely. So, yeah, the Rexon Eye is able to be purchased um, by optometrists in Australia to use. Um, yep. The iTech is the company that actually is at the moment handling the, um, the sale of that particular device. And I know from a few practitioners and sort of discussing this device, one of the other new, unique things is that unlike IPL, which you know, I use extensively, you have limitations there in terms of skin type. So people hmm. who have got darker skin tones cannot have IPL despite them potentially having MGD. The great yeah. thing with the Rexonai is that your skin type that has no influence on whether you're eligible for treatment or not, which is fantastic. That's cool. Okay, so I'm sure our listeners are keen to know a couple of things, Jason. Number one, what are the side effects of the Rexon eye mask? Yes, so this is why I also love. There are literally no side effects with this treatment. Wow, um, that's great. Your patient sits, you know, in a room with this mask for 20 minutes. They need to have four treatments a week apart. And what you'll find when you, when you first remove the mask, there can be a, a, some transient blur from anywhere sort of from five to 10 minutes. Um, your eye will feel quite watery as well and almost velvety in, in the way it feels. But beyond that, you know, 10 minutes after you've, you've removed the mask and they've left your practice, they're back to, to life as it is. So um, literally no short-term or long-term side effects. So it's a very safe treatment. That's great. And um, can you tell us average, what would it normally cost a patient to have a Rexon eye mask applied? Yeah, so from my point of view, I position this as a treatment that's slightly less expensive than, say, performing IPL. Um, mm. And the reason for that, in a way, is that the technology does all the hard work. You know, with IPL, you know, I'm applying a gel and I'm physically standing there and pulsing lights across the patient's chin. With this, you put the mask on and literally you know, put on some background music and you can go and do some referral writing or what have you. So I positioned it at the, at the high hundreds in terms of a cost per treatment. Um, and so for a patient to go through the whole course, it's less than $1,000 to have, you know, all four treatments and be on the way to having happier eyes. That's brilliant. And for most of us, particularly in Victoria, wearing a mask is no problem anymore. So we can, <laughs> uh, we can do 20 minutes without any issues. So I don't think, I don't think that's going to be hard to sell to patients. Look, Jason, that's been brilliant. And I think, you know, just covering those two eye drops, Sequoia and Zydra, as well as the Rexon eyes, um, has been really, you know, eye-opening for, for our listeners. Um, you have mentioned a couple of times about um, IPL. I think what we'd love to do is have you back on a second episode to discuss that. But, um, but certainly, um, I, think, um, I think you've given us a lot of food for thought. So thank you for joining us for that today. Thank you so much, Simon. It's uh, been a pleasure. All righty. For our listeners, um, thank you again for joining us for this Institute podcast. We look forward to bringing you many more of these podcasts in the weeks and months to come. Until then, stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in to Optometry Australia's Institute of Excellence podcast. Don't forget to navigate to your CPD learning plan on optometry.org.au to write a reflection on this episode. To find more podcast episodes, visit the Institute of Excellence online at lms.optometry.org.au. We welcome your feedback on this episode and any subject matter suggestions for future podcast episodes. Please send your feedback and suggestions to national at optometry.org.au. Stay tuned for more in the weeks to come.